Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy Lavender, and I'm not the face that you would usually see up here. I'm one of the elders here at the branch, uh, but I am not a preacher by profession. I am a school counselor by profession. I work at Riverview Elementary School down in Dawsonville, uh, and so I do a lot of uh, counseling students, but also teaching guidance lessons. So this morning, I want you guys to think like this isn't like a pastor is up here preaching a sermon to you. This is like an elementary school counselor is delivering a guidance lesson to you. So, you know, if someone's out there talking too much, I may make you come sit in the front row so I can keep an eye on you. I'm going to be calling on you. Uh, you know, if I ask you to raise your hands, then you need to raise your hands. If I don't say to raise your hands, then you can just call it out. That's, that's how it's going to work this morning. So uh, just so you're ready for it, that's not a joke. That's we're about to have a go. I mean, we're, we're in a gym right now. The basketball goal doesn't raise anymore. So hopefully you kind of can feel that already that we're back in elementary school. Uh, so what I just did there in introducing myself, before I even really thought about this sermon, I already had planned to introduce myself and explain that I am a school counselor. That's pretty typical whenever I introduce myself to someone, the first thing that comes to my mind is to tell them what my profession is, is to tell them what I do, because it explains a lot about who I am as a person. So here's your first opportunity to respond to me, like, what does it say about me? When you find out that I'm a school counselor, what have you learned about me? What kind of things do you know about me knowing that I'm a school counselor? This is, you don't have to raise your hand. You can just call it out. What were you? Very, friendly. Very friendly. I at least can put on a friendly persona whenever I'm uh, around children. Yes. What else? Patient. patient. Uh, yes, I have, uh, I, I have been known to be patient with students. Uh, it does take a lot of patience to work in an elementary school, uh, as you'll be able to tell by some of my stories later on during this sermon. Basically, all of them come from my, my work with students. Anything else? Wisdom. I hope I have some wisdom. Uh, <laughs> God gives me a lot of wisdom when I'm counseling students that I didn't know that I have. But uh, yes, I mean, and along with that, you know, I have a concern for mental health. You know, that's something that is valuable, that I consider valuable uh, for people to be mentally healthy. Uh, I care about children. I'm, you know, I enjoy being around children. And like Rob said, I have a lot of patience for them. So all those things are things that I communicate by tell you, telling you what my profession is. And I explain that because I've always been convicted by the way that the gospel writers introduce themselves and the New Testament writers introduce themselves when they are starting their letters. You know, like when I send an email down at the bottom, it says Jeremy Lavender, School Counselor, Review Elementary, uh, just to kind of tell the person who it is that is sending that letter. So I want us to look at some of the different passages where the writers of the New Testament introduce themselves. I think they're going to pop up on the screen right here. Thank you. So we're, I'm just going to read them to you. Uh, you can read along with me up there. There's a lot of them, so we're, we don't have to flip through to all of them. But in Romans 1.1, Paul says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. In Titus, Paul again says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Go on to the next slide. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Jude 1.1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And then Revelation 1.1, the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must, be, what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So, 
pop quiz, what was the common theme through all of those? How did the writers of the New Testament introduce themselves? As servants. So if you haven't figured that out yet, that is the theme of our uh, lesson today. We are finishing up our sermon series on celebration of discipline, and we are doing so by looking at the discipline of service. And I think that's a really fitting place to end because all of the disciplines are important and none of them are optional. You know, it's, it's important for us to pray, it's important for us to fast, it's important for us to do all those things. But as we see from the way that those New Testament writers introduce themselves, service is something that is at the core of who we are as a Christian. And to the writers of the New Testament, it was the core of their identity as Christians. Being a Christian meant that they served. So I'm going to get out my board here. I, like I said, I'm a teacher. I can't really, I can't really function without uh, whiteboard, and I've got, I brought my purple marker from school, because all the kids at school call me Mr. Purple, because I have a thousand lavender things, and I wear that all the time, because all the clothes that I own were clothes that my mom purchased for me when I was still in high school, so, uh, so I'm going to write on here, I'm going to write uh, Christian equals service set that up right here so we can see it. Um, because to the writers of the New Testament, to the early Christians, what it meant to be a Christian was that they were a slave or a servant of God. The word there is doulos, which means slave they, or a bond servant. They were someone who was in the service of God. Their job was to serve God and through God serve others. So that's what we're going to be looking at today is how we can serve others, what it means to serve others, and uh, why that's important for us as Christians. But before we do that, uh, something that I always do in my guidance lessons is I always have an activity just to kind of get people engaged, get people moving. So I have an activity that we're going to do, and for this activity, I'm going to need three volunteers. So where are my youth at? Are there any youth in the building? Sarah Staples, I want you to come up here. Uh, let me get Lily and Phoebe. You guys come up here too. All right, so this activity is going to involve everybody, but these, these three lovely young ladies are going to be my volunteers. So we are about to become pirates. Walmart did not have any intimidating bandanas, so we are the pirates who match my grandmother's drapery. Um, so you guys can go ahead and you know, make your bandana however you want to wear it. You can wear it on your arm or whatever you want to do, but we're, we're now pirates. You'll see how this ties in uh, later. It only vaguely ties into the sermon, but that's kind of how my games usually are when I do lessons is they only vaguely tie into the lesson. So we're all pirates. We are a part of a pirate crew that uh, has just found a great treasure. We just found 100 pieces of the best treasure Reese's Cups. So uh, now we have to divide up our treasure Oops, we have to divide up, you won't steal my treasure. We have to divide it up according to the pirate code. And this is how the pirate code works. This is a little bit of a riddle. You guys are going to try to solve this riddle, and we'll see how smart our congregation is here at the branch, see how good at, uh, at logic you are. So here's how the pirate code works for distributing treasure. The captain, who is me, I'm captain, Captain Purple, Purple Beard, will distribute, his, the, will propose how to distribute the treasure. So I will... Um, make a proposition, you know, so-and-so gets this many pieces, so-and-so gets this many pieces, so on and so forth. And then we will all vote uh, either yar for yes or nay. 
So if the vote passes, if two people vote yes, or uh, you know, if there's a tie, or if more than two people vote yes, then the vote passes and we distribute it that way. If it does not pass, if there are more nays than yars, then I have to walk the plank and fall into the ocean. And then first mate Sarah takes over and she gets to vote, uh, or she gets to propose a distribution. And then the three that are remaining will vote. If it doesn't pass, Sarah walks the plank, Phoebe takes over, uh, poop that swabber, Phoebe takes over, and will then propose how to distribute the treasure to everyone so on and so forth. So, each of us as pirates, we all want to get as much treasure as possible without dying. We don't want to have to walk the plank. So our goal is to end up with as much treasure as possible and not walk the plank. We're also all master logicians. We all can know exactly the perfect way for this to work out. We know exactly what's going to happen. So the question is, if there are 100 pieces of treasure what is the largest amount of treasure that the captain, me, can end up with if I propose it in a, the most ideal way following those rules? So here's how this is going to work. I'm going to give you guys maybe like two minutes to contemplate this. And then uh, because you don't have a whole lot of time, I've given you some multiple choice options. It's, it's one of these four. It could either be I end up with zero pieces of treasure, and that's the only way I can uh, not walk the plank because my life is a little more important than ending up with treasure. I could end up with one piece of treasure, 25 pieces of treasure, or 99 pieces of treasure. So I'm going to give you guys like a minute. If you think that the answer is A, I want you to go to the back right corner and discuss with the other people over there you know, why you think that's the right answer. If you think the answer is B, then you go to this front right corner and discuss why you think that's the answer. C is going to be at that back right corner, and D is going to be at back left corner. D is going to be at the front left corner. So you guys can sit there and think about it for a few minutes, but you got to get up and move at some point because I'm not going to carry on until everyone's made a choice, and you guys probably don't want to sit in here for you know, two hours a day with my sermon. So go ahead and contemplate it, make a choice. We're not going to ridicule you if you're wrong much, but uh, yeah, go ahead, start, think about it. I'll explain the answer at the end there. Yeah, it doesn't, you guys don't have to do anything. You're just, you're just my examples. Mm, but you don't remember the answer, do you? No. Yeah, A is back there, B is right there, C is back there, D is right there. All right, so talk it through with each other at, the, at your station. Figure out why you think you're right. That is B right there. B is right there. B is right there. A is right there. C is back there. And D is right there. All right. Looks like most people are settled. All right, someone from the... From the the uh, area back there that is uh, A, why do you think zero pieces is what I'm going to end up with? Right, so the only way that I, you think the only way that I could not end up walking the plank is to give them all the stuff. That's a good guess. What do you think? Right. It gets a little bit 
All right, so I get to keep at least something, but I also get to keep my life. That's, that's a, yeah, they could split up the 99 amongst them. That makes sense. All right, it looks like everyone else over here thinks 25 pieces. We've got a lot of, like, very fair-minded people back there. Why is it 25 pieces? Right, everybody gets 25, and it's fair, and no one cho chose 99. Well, unfortunately, none of you are right. I can keep 99 pieces of treasure if I work it out right. So if you guys want to go ahead and return back to your seats, except for you three, I'll explain to you how I can end up with 99 pieces of treasure. D was the right answer. All right, so let me explain to you how I can end up with 99 pieces of treasure. So we got to start at the end. So bottom of the rung, Lily over here knows that if it gets down to just two people, if it gets down to just Lily and Phoebe, she will get zero pieces of treasure because Phoebe's going to propose that she gets all 100 and Lily gets nothing, and they're going to vote, but one vote is all it takes to pass, so Phoebe gets to keep all of it, and Lily doesn't get to keep any of it. So Phoebe's going to do anything she can to keep it from getting to just two people. So if there's just three people left, Sarah, who is also a perfect logician, knows that Phoebe's going to, or Lily is going to do anything to keep it from getting to just two people. So Sarah is going to offer Lily just one piece and keep 99 for herself, and Lily knows that that's the best thing that can possibly happen for her because that's the only way that she'll end up with anything. Phoebe knows that that sucks for her. She's not going to get anything, but it doesn't matter because two people are going to vote for it, and she's going to end up with nothing either way. So the way that I end up with 99 pieces is at the very beginning, I offer Phoebe one piece of treasure. Phoebe will then vote for me because she knows that's the best scenario. If it gets down to just three people, she gets nothing, and I'll vote for it, obviously. Two votes is all it takes to pass, so I get 99 pieces of treasure, and Phoebe gets one piece of treasure. And I make out like a bandit because I was selfish. So, well, that'll play out a little, play out a little more in the sermon, but I, I'm, I'm a nice, generous captain, so I'll give each of you a piece of candy, and you guys can go sit back down. Good job, volunteers. I'm going to take my pirate bandana off now. There we go. So, uh, you'll see in a second how that kind of ties in. Maybe you, you're, the wheels have started turning in your head and you'll, you can already kind of guess how that ties in. Um, but we, what we're going to be looking at today to start with are some passages of Scripture that support why it is so important for us as Christians to serve others. And I want us to start by turning to Mark chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 42 through 45. So go ahead and take out your Bible. Turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 42 through 45. Turn there myself. Matthew, Mark, Luke. There we go. Mark chapter 10, verse 42 says this. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones exercise authority over them. 
but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Little context for that passage. Before Jesus gave that speech, what was happening was uh, the brothers James and John had come up to him and asked if they could sit next to him. One of them out wanted to sit on his right, one of them wanted to sit on his left. And Jesus said, yes, and it made all the other disciples angry and upset, and so Jesus said this to them. Now, to me, that sounds kind of like something that would happen in one of my classrooms. In fact, I actually have had kids get into arguments over who gets to sit next to me. More often, I have kids get into arguments about who gets to sit in the front of the line or who gets to stand at the front of the line when you're lining up to go into the hallway. And I just don't understand. Like, there's, there's no value to being at the front of the line. The line is all going to the same place. Most of you aren't even really that excited about where you're going in this line, you know, it's not that, it's not that big of a deal. You're all going to get a chance to do whatever it is. But to kids, it is really important for them to be at the front of the line or just even as close to the front of the line as possible. You know, if someone gets in front of them, it's all, is a, him cutted me, Mr. Purple. That's, that's what I hear, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to cut you if you can't learn your pronouns. So, <laughs> but uh, so it, 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 now there's a little bit more to that for, some of you don't know what pronouns are and you're just now getting that, but there's a little bit more context to this. Now, to sit on the right and left of someone is an honor. It was an honor in Jewish society. And that's what uh, James and John were asking for. But to Jesus, it probably was just as silly to him to think of that as it was for me when a kid comes up and asks if they can stand in the front of the line. Uh, you know, because as Jesus went ahead and told all of his disciples right after that, you know, for us as Christians, what's important is not looking like we're the best. What's important is not, you know, being in the places of honor. If you are one of the greatest as a Christian, then it is your job to serve others. And Jesus, who had all the power and all the authority, set the example for us in that by serving other people. And that doesn't just mean serving by doing things that get you, you know, that you enjoy doing or, you know, get you a lot of good attention. Now, I mean, we can serve by doing things that we like doing. Like, I, I like working with kids, and I do feel like it is a service for me to work as a school counselor. But a lot of times, the kind of service that Jesus is talking about here. Uh, this is not the, you know, the kind of service that is you know, glorious or the kind of service that gets you a lot of attention. It's kind of like the service that like, Mackenzie did for me this morning when I told her at the last minute that, she needed, that I had some slides that she needed to put in. And you know, then she had to sit there and put all those slides in. And now she's even coming up with more slides to go along with everything that's, that I'm teaching here. Uh, you know, a lot of times you don't get thanked for that or you don't get any appreciation for that. But that is what serve, that's the kind of service that Jesus was talking about here. Or, you know, for me this week, I've been preparing for this, this sermon for a long time. And because of that, every time, like, an opportunity to serve comes up, I feel like I have to take it. Like, I'm going to be, you know, like, God is like, hey, this is your opportunity to serve, Jeremy. So at my school during this week, uh, my principal... It's pre-planning, so there's not a lot of teachers there yet. The kids haven't arrived yet. And my principal had a job. She wanted someone to go out and put some cups into the fence to spell out some words to welcome new students to the school, which doesn't sound that hard, but, you know, it could be, you know, it's kind of hot outside, and it's not something that a lot of people wanted to do. And when she asked if someone would be willing to do that, right away God was like, you know, you know that's something that you should do to be a servant, Jeremy. Uh, you know, that's something that you feel like is beneath you. Like in my head I was like, I have a master's degree. I don't need to be sitting outside putting, a, putting cups into a fence. Uh, but I was like, no, that's, that's the wrong kind of attitude. I need to be a servant and go out there and put cups into the fence. 
Well, ten and a half hours later, everyone kept asking me why it looked like I had gone to the beach and I had been rained on and you know, I had spent two days sitting at a fence cramming the cups in there, realizing that I hadn't followed the instructions the right way and pulling the cups back out and, you know, pinching my fingers on the stupid fence and all sorts of fun stuff. And I was like, thanks for this lesson, God. This has been really helpful for me. But that's what service looks like. It's not always something that is fun or something that we enjoy, but it's something that we do to serve other people. Uh, We're going to go, I think we're actually going to skip the, I don't think you have it in the slides anyway, so it doesn't matter. So we're going to turn next to... Uh, Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to start with verse 34. So if you guys can turn in your Bibles backwards to Matthew. So we see why it's important to serve. Jesus set the example for us in service. He told us that uh, as Christians, it is our job to serve others. And now we're going to look at what it looks like to serve others, what it looks like to serve our Christian brothers and sisters. So starting In Matthew 25, verse 34, it says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. So looking at that passage right there, what are some examples of service? How can we serve according to that passage right there? Ray, you can raise your hand for this one if you have the answer. It's open book. You could look, just look back and read it if you need it. All right, positive, positive reinforcement. I'll give you a Reese's cup if you raise your hand and tell me. All right, Jonas, what you got? Okay. Right, exactly. So that passage talks about people who are sick and people who are in prison. Uh, It's a great service to go and help people who are feeling ill, people who are sick, um, you know, to bring them food. Uh, You know, if someone uh, just had a baby, I know that uh, my landlord's wife just had a child and a lot of their church family has been bringing them uh, food and stuff like that. You know, those are all great ways to show service by uh, supporting uh, people who are, you know, for health reasons, not able to do certain things. Uh, and he also talks about visiting people in prison. Now, you know, back then, people who were in prison might have been in prison for different reasons. He might, you know, a lot of those people that were in prison might have been in prison for proclaiming the gospel. And so one of the things he's saying in that is to support the people who are, uh, you know, out there preaching the word and being persecuted for it by visiting them and by taking care of them. But I think we've seen enough just through the life of Jesus to know that Jesus also cared about the kind of people that would be in prison today, the kind of people who had made mistakes, the kind of people who were ostracized by society. And I think he means those people too, that visiting those people and spending time with those people is important uh, and that you know, making those people feel 
comfortable and feel welcome is an important part of what service is. Good, that's one example. What are some of the other examples in that passage? Yeah, helping somebody move. Uh, that's a great example of meeting somebody's needs. One of the needs that it talks about in this passage is, uh, you know, like clothing people who don't have clothes. Now, since the rainbow people left, there's not a whole lot of naked people running around Dahlonega anymore. But, you know, there are a lot of people who have clothing needs. Uh, I've worked, like I said, I work at a school, and there's a lot of students that need jackets and need things like that. Uh, and so, you know, there are still clothing needs. It still is beneficial to donate clothing to different organizations and things like that. But you can also meet people's physical needs, like Mark just said, by, you know, helping them move, um, by, you know, just helping them. We helped move a, a handicap ramp from one house to another yesterday. Um, and, you know, that, that's meeting someone's physical needs. Those are all important parts of serving. Uh, what are some of the other examples that they gave in that passage? Gabe, was that? Feeding. Feeding, yeah, there you go. So you can have a, I'll give you a piece of candy. Sorry, Mark, I forgot to give you a piece of candy. You can't eat it, though. You can't eat it, so I guess you can give it to one of your kids. Um, so yeah, feeding people, uh, you know, providing food, providing meals. When I was a college student, uh, people used to provide meals for me all the time, and that was a huge blessing because I was about as broke as college students came. I worked as a youth pastor at a church and didn't get paid a whole lot for that. Um, but there was at one point in my life where I decided to, like, go freegan, and I, like, had this thing with God where I was like, you know, I'm only going to eat food that is provided to me. Um, because I trust you to provide for me. I just had this thing that I wanted to do. And I had to stop doing it because I had too much food. Like I kept eating because people were giving it to me for free. And then I was like stuffing myself. And I was like, this is unhealthy to me now. Because there were just so many people who like, knew my position as a youth pastor, uh, you know, would invite me over to their house for dinner, would you know, give me their leftovers after meals, things like that. Um, and so providing food, you know, we have a lot of college students here. I know it's still a big deal if you buy a college student a meal. I try to pay it forward by whenever I go out to eat with a college student paying for their meals. But then we also have families here in Dahlonega that are hungry too, and our church helps out with that. We still do the Backpack Buddies program, right, Gabe? So our church helps meet that need by providing backpacks that students can have on weekends so that they have food on the weekends when they wouldn't be able to eat at school. Um, so yeah, we still meet people's needs through food. Um, the last one that no one has said yet was welcoming strangers. Um, and that's a really important thing too. As someone uh, who moved around a lot as a kid, I was a Navy brat, I moved around a lot. And whenever I moved to a new place, I'm an introvert, so it was really hard for me to get to know new people. And those people who would come up and talk to me and befriend me, they were a huge blessing to me. Uh, and as a church family, we should be welcoming to those people who are new, to people who come to visit us. We should be welcoming to them. Uh, and, I mean, this church family for me has always been really welcoming in terms of, like, uh, you know, taking care of me when I had housing needs. Like, you know, anytime uh, there's like a storm that comes through or some natural disaster or something and I need some place to stay, I think I've lived in at least three or four of your basements at some point in time. And I can think of plenty of other basements that I would probably be welcome at if I wanted to go and stay there for a little while too. Uh, so that's a, another way that we can meet each other's needs as, uh, as a community. So all of those are examples of ways in this passage that we see as ways to serve others. 
Uh, and all, all of those to me are kind of like feel good kind of things. Like those are all things that you do and it feels good to do them and you know, you build relationships with them. Uh, now we're gonna turn to a passage that to me is not as feel good about what it means to serve. So if you guys will turn to me to Luke chapter six, verse 27 through 31. We'll be starting officially to uh, go through back to Luke, I think, next week. So um, we're going to get a little taste of Luke again early here. But uh, get excited because we're going to be back in Luke soon. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. It says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. The same thing. In that passage, what are some of the examples of ways that we can serve? Someone say something over there? Give? Yeah, Uh, and not just, uh, this passage is talking a lot about not just giving to our friends. You know, the last passage we were talking a lot about, you know, giving and supporting each other as a a church family. But this says that we um, should be doing good, that we should um, be loving our enemies and doing good for those who hate us. So we should be giving not just to the people that care about us, but also giving to the people that are cruel to us, the people who aren't kind to us. What else? It's right there. You can read it. Don't make me call on people. I know your names, most of you. What's that? Pray for them. them. All right, so I'm going to kind of go back to something Gabe Gabe said last week uh, and talk about, I mean, this is kind of a sensitive passage here. but the, the exact wording is uh, in the ESV says to pray for those who abuse you. Uh, and like Gabe was saying last week, you know, that, that doesn't mean that you should just tolerate being abused. And the, you know, the next passage goes on to say, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Um, if I can be serious for a moment, you know, like I, I work with uh, a lot of students who are in situations like that. I have to make a lot of defects reports. Uh, and the, this passage is not saying that it's okay to just live in that kind of situation. If you are experiencing any kind of abuse, whether it's emotional, physical, um, verbal, whatever it is, uh, yes, you should definitely pray for the person who is doing that to you, but you should also take some action. You can come talk to one of us, one of the elders here at the branch, or if you're uncomfortable talking to a male about it, you can go talk to one of the other elders' wives uh, because I'm sure they would be happy to talk to you about it too. Um, I don't have a wife, otherwise you would be able to talk to her, but still working on that. but and again, when it comes to you know, saying to turn, the, to turn the other cheek, back in biblical times, you know, striking someone on the cheek was meant to be insulting. And so what Jesus is saying there is that you know, if someone insults you, you shouldn't retaliate by insulting them back. You should uh, you know, allow them to insult you. He's not saying that if you are in a physically abusive relationship, you should just tolerate that. You, know, you need to seek help and seek guidance if you're in that kind of a situation. Um, but 
it does still say, you know, to pray for those people and to, to care for those people. And, you know, there, there may be people in our lives who aren't taking it to that extreme, but people who are still kind of thorns in our side. I can think of a few teachers at my school who are kind of like this, um, that are, you know, they, uh, you know, are a little too structured for me and can't handle the fact that I'm not a very structured person. And so our egos just kind of butt heads. Um, and it's, you know, my responsibility when they uh, do insulting things like, uh, you know, tell me that it's not the time to talk while their children are in the, the lunchroom or something like that, that instead of getting upset and feeling slighted, I, you know, just calmly say, okay, and go along with that. Um, what else do we see in this passage? Look at the last portion. We haven't covered that part yet. Laura? Yeah, so give even when you're not going to get anything back. Give even when it hurts. Uh, I think there's a, a C.S. Lewis quote. I love C.S. Lewis in case you don't know that about me. I've reread all of his books several times. Uh, but C.S. Lewis, one of the things that he says is that, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly how much you should give, but I know that it should make you uncomfortable with how much you are giving. Um, and this passage definitely points out to that too. Now again, I, this ca passage kind of makes it sound like it's okay to just let people take advantage of you. Um, and I do think that we should err on the side of like, if the question is, you know, is this person taking advantage of me or not? I think if, you know, we should still try to be as generous as possible at all times. But I do think that we sometimes have to ask ourselves the question, is my service to this person pointing them towards God? Or is my service to this person setting me up so that they need me in their relationship more than they need God? Uh, and that can take a lot of discernment, but there, you know, there are some situations where uh, providing that service for them may be hindering them from their relationship with God more than it is pointing them towards God. But I think that if, if you can't discern that, it is best to just err on the side of caution and you know, be willing to, to give to everyone and to... Um, to let everyone take from you as they need. And we'll see that a little bit more in a passage that I'm going to read at the end of the sermon. So the last thing here says, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So whatever you want people to do for you is what you should be doing for other people. And when I read that passage, it kind of made me think of what for me is the hardest part of service and what I think is probably one of the most important parts of service is that, that is the service of allowing other people to serve you. So if you read that passage and you think, well, I don't really need anybody else to do anything for me, so that means I don't really have to do anything else for other people, that's not the mindset that that passage is supposed to have. Uh, as Christians, we should be willing to seek help from our brothers and sisters uh, so that other people can see that we are helping one another and see that God is being glorified in that. So. It, as much as it can hurt our pride sometimes, I think one of the most important parts of service is to be willing to let other people serve you, to know what your needs are, and to be open to letting other people meet those needs, to tell people what those needs are, to not be embarrassed about what those needs are, and to tell other people about them so that as a church family, we can meet those needs. So that's sort of what we're going to do right now. Um, we'll have one last activity before I close. I want us to take some time to talk to each other. So you don't have to move for this one. You can just kind of have a conversation with the people that are around you. But I want you to discuss three different topics. And the first topic that I want you to discuss 
is um, what are some of your needs? What are some things that people can be doing to serve you? Uh, so if you guys just, you know, kind of get, may require some people moving, but just kind of get together in groups with the people that are around you uh, and have that conversation. I'll give you like two minutes to talk about this, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Go. All right, as you're finishing up that conversation, the next topic I want you to discuss, uh, as Christians, we should also be serving together. And we try to do that as a part of our missional communities often, but um, a lot of you may have ways that you are serving that we are unaware of or the people around you are unaware of, and those may be ways they could get plugged into too. So I want you guys to share with the people in your group how you are serving right now. What are you doing that is your, what is your way of serving right now? Um, and are there any ways that they could be involved in that process? Sorrow. 
All right, and transitioning into the last question, where have you been convicted to serve? Where do you feel like God is leading you to be more of a servant? And in that, sharing that with the people around you, maybe those people around you can be people who are holding you accountable for that as we move into the future and as we you know, get closer to kicking off our year here at the branch. What are some ways that you feel called to serve? Go.
All right, guys, I know there's some good conversations still happening, and if you guys didn't get a chance to finish up your conversations, I hope that you will do so after we finish worshiping during this time. I hope that you'll find each other and continue conversing about this topic. Um, but I want to go ahead and kind of bring this to a conclusion by reading a verse from First John. Uh, so I'm going to read this verse, and I'm not really going to comment on it anyway. I'm just going to kind of let it sit with you because it's a pretty heavy verse, and I think it kind of speaks for itself. Uh, so I just want you to hear it and think about it. Um, once I do that, I will pray for us, and Matt's going to come back up here and uh, play a couple more worship songs. We have our offering, tab- our offering tables and our um, communion tables on the side there. Um, so as you feel led, uh, if you are a believer, you can go to the communion tables um, and take communion. Um, but I'm going to close this out by reading a verse from 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. God, I thank you for this time to come here this morning. I thank you for the ways that this congregation and this family of believers has served me during the couple of years that I've been a part of them. Uh, And I thank you for the ways that they serve the community and the ways that all of us serve the people that we interact with every day. I pray that you would continue to give us strength and opportunities to serve one another and to serve others in this community. And that through our service, that you would be glorified, that people wouldn't look and say, oh, there's some good people. That people would look and say, oh, there's some people who really have the love of God inside of them. And that you would be glorified in all of our actions as uh, teachers go back to teaching, as uh, college students get ready to start their school year again, uh, as all of us just continue about our daily lives. I pray that you would open our eyes to the opportunities to serve others and to help others, and that you would give us a heart to serve and a heart to incorporate all the disciplines we've learned about this summer into our walk with you so that we can be closer to you and know you better. It's in your name that I ask all these things. Amen.